Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 tonight. And so here's the deal. If I was God, this is what I would do for you guys. For coming down here on Super Bowl Sunday night, I'd give brand new cars to everybody in the parking lot. That's what I would do because you guys are faithful. Because honestly, if I didn't have to be here, I'm not quite sure I would be here tonight. I do like football. Not that much enough. So anyhow... Um, God probably didn't do that, but how about a cup of coffee on Edwin in the cafe? How's that, huh? We're coming tonight, so. Anyhow, um, Pastor Jeff is not out watching the football game, just so you know. You might have, how many of you guys are here Sunday morning? How many of you, this is your church Sunday night. Let me see your hands. Wow, lots of you. So anyhow, um, Connie's dad, Lee, has been in the hospital, and uh, it was pretty close um, and even today, they had planned to go after service. We made this, these plans uh, last night. Um, but he actually got out of the hospital, so he's doing better. But that's where Pastor Jeff is. The whole family went down to uh, Menifee there to go see Lee and to hang out and just to pray with him and such encouragement. So he's not watching the football game and said, Rob, you're on, so here we are. So, nope, he's not doing that. Anyhow, tonight, now tonight's divine appointment for you guys that are here. You know this. This wasn't the plan. Jeff was going to be here teaching, and, but now we have a different plan God has. And tonight the title of the mission is, or the study is, Be On Mission. All right, we're going to talk about missions tonight. And I got, I got one goal tonight. You're not going to hear a bunch of profound points, um, not some real deep message, whatever. My one goal Tonight is to encourage every single person, all 150 or so, 200 of you, to get into the mission field some way, somewhere, somehow. And Pastor Dennis, I know, is just going, yes. Because remember, what does D say when he comes up and teaches and shares? Go tell it on the mountains to the lost, over the seas, everywhere to the lost. So that's it. That's the main thing. So if you guys would all just stand and say, yes, I'll go out in the mission field. We can just close up and maybe catch the end of the game. Guess not. Anyhow, I got to tell you, though, um, just two months shy of 27 years as a pastor here at Calvary Chapel, and I got to tell you, I've done every different kind of ministry that you can be involved in as a pastor. All teachings and evangelistic outreaches, mission trips also, funerals, weddings, conferences, retreats, baptisms. Baptisms are the most amazing thing that we can do, but I want to tell you, top of the list Ranks number one is going out on the mission field. I'm telling you guys, there's no greater joy. There's no more exciting thing to do. There's no more way you're going to see God move than going out on the mission field. And without question, it is the tops. It is number one. So starting off, I want to ask you four questions for some introspection here. Okay, I'm not trying to step on any toes, but I am a little bit. I want to find, you just got to ask these questions to yourself And they're kind of soul-searching. Why did God save you? Number one. Number two, what was God's purpose in saving you? What are you doing with your life and why? And what are you living and dying for? And in that context, I'm talking about what do you do for a living that you are actually killing yourself to do? Because you got to understand, we are all living, but we are dying. And some of us, some of you are, are living, and you're killing yourself doing the job that you're doing. So the honest answers to those questions kind of help you line up with the purpose for Jesus. 
And how you line up will kind of give you an idea where you're at with your Christianity. Is your Christianity self-centered? What I can get out of it? Or is it Christ-centered? And are you fulfilling your purpose for your life? Or are you fulfilling God's purpose for your life? Because when we look at the purpose for Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Master who came and died, he came really ultimately for one person, right? One, one purpose, to seek and save, say it with me, that which is lost. The purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was to save us. So with that in mind, how are you doing in the context of that purpose for your life? Because you see, Jesus, he was the greatest missionary. Even in, in Hebrews today, Pastor Jeff shared the fact that he, he passed through the heavens. He came from heaven. He, he came the longest way to do a mission trip here to earth for us. And what was he doing? He was coming to show us who the Father was, to show us what love really is, to provide forgiveness for our sins, you know this, to empower us in this life, and to prepare us for heaven. That was his plan, his purpose. And that's what missions is all about. We are simply following that example when we really live our lives as Christians in front of the world. Because you know in the foyer there, over the arch, what does it say? You are now entering the mission field when you go outside these doors. And as his disciples, we're following his teachings, his instructions that have been passed down for thousands of years. And really, that's the reason why we're here today. Somebody discipled you. And all the way back to the person who discipled that person, discipled that person, all the way, we, could, we can all go back to disciples, Jesus himself. The reason we're here today. So number one, the why of missions here in Matthew 28, verse 16. We know this passage of scripture. The why of missions. Love this little passage. Though, of course, we know the story. Jesus is resurrected. He saw the woman there. He comes. He's told the disciples where to meet him. So now he's there. Verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, listen, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So, of course, he has the authority. And now he's passing on his authority. But also with this authority, he's going to give them a command. He says, go, therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded to you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so the, the impetus here, the driving force of this passage, of course, simple. Go and make disciples, make believers. And really, ultimately, Jesus commanded missions, y'all. Commanded missions. It wasn't the great suggestion as you've heard before. It's the great commission. And he didn't say to the disciples, you know what, guys, I'm taking off, but go ahead and just go live your lives the way you want. You know, Peter, get that fishing business going. Man, hope it rocks. Or, or you know, Matthew, go get your, uh, your accounting corporation going. The other disciples, go live the way you want. He didn't say go do your careers, go live life. No. He didn't say get your 401ks in order. No. He said, go into all the nations, make disciples, 
believers and followers, baptize them, of course, seal the deal, validate their faith, but also teach them all things that Jesus taught. So spiritually, when we look at this, why make disciples? What's the big deal here, you guys? Ultimately, that's the heart of God. We've got to see this. Go make disciples. That's what God wants us to do. He wants all men to be saved. The scriptures are clear. We all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever shall believe will not perish but have everlasting life. He also said in Mark 10, 45, that he came to give his life, what? A ransom to pay the price of redemption for our sins. Paul told Timothy that he came in 2 Timothy chapter chapter 2, verse 3, God desires that all men be saved. And come to the knowledge. His desire there. But also Peter tells us that that God is not willing that any should perish. But that all would come to that knowledge. That all would be saved. And this was the plan from the beginning of time. And so we see, we got to see God's heart in in what we're trying to do here tonight. In this idea of missions. I believe as as American Christians, we've been kind of duped. Because we have this life here. The best life that can be lived on the planet right here in the United States. And yet God doesn't look at just the United States. We are such a small amount when it comes to the whole population. He's looking at the whole world, of course. And, and this whole world, half of the world, is struggling just to find food for themselves. And yet we have plenty. And yet we as Christians here in America, we've been duped into thinking that, you know, we're to pursue all the things of this life and do everything we can to get everything we can in this life. And then, yeah, we got heaven, too. That's cool. That's great. But I think God has it the other way around. No, pursue everything. Lay up your treasure where? That was weak. Now, lay up your treasure where? In heaven. Because where your treasure is, what? There's where your heart is. And so you got to remember, that's the heart of God. You might have heard the story about Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Packers, just about a week and a half ago. He was in the news, and his family was all upset and been out of shape. And he was raised, I guess, in non-denominational church, you know, all his life, whatever. But he's having this, this uh, podcast with his girlfriend, Danica Kirkpatrick, and they're, they're talking about religion. And he kind of upset his, his family there pretty bad. This is what he says. This is a quote. I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. What type of loving, sensitive being wants to condemn his beautiful creation at the end? Now, anybody see a problem with what he's saying? That's not the heart of God. What does John 3.17 say? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him that the world might be saved. See, Aaron Rodgers got a hold of some bad doctrine, bad teaching. Somehow, he, he was, he's been confused. And, and honestly, if you read a little bit of the backdrop in the story, Rob Bell got a hold of him. Now, Rob Bell, Velvet Elvis, um, Love Wins. Basically, Rob Bell teaches there is no hell. Why, how could God create a hell? And why would God send people there, this and that? But it's all wrong because God doesn't send people there. God did a beautiful thing for us. He gave us what? A choice. God created hell for for Satan and his demons. Not for us. God doesn't want any. So the heart of God has been missed by Aaron Rodgers. Pray for that guy. 
Pray that he gets out from underneath that heretic, Rob Bell, because it's wrong. God's heart, you all, is for people to be saved, every single one, to make that choice. So personal application for us, why should we go and make disciples apart from the fact that God has commanded it? And it's the heart of God? Well, let me tell you, I'll give, I'll give you some stories here, mission stories. Now, I don't, I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of pictures. How many of you been out in the mission field? Let me see the hands that you've been out in the mission field. Oh, this is sick. This, come on now, get the hands up. Anybody else? Okay, when you've been out on a mission field, those of you who know what I'm talking about, I'm looking at Emily right now, you know, um, you go and it's an amazing time. But when you try to tell people how things happen in the mission field and what happens in the mission field, it just falls on deaf ears a lot of times because it's like you don't get it. You don't get it. It's like telling somebody about a great movie. And you're so excited. You saw this movie, you come back and tell them, like, how many people remember Sixth Sense? Listen, remember that movie? That movie was amazing. And yet, trying to tell somebody about the movie without blowing the movie, you couldn't. It was like, you just got to go see it. Oh, okay, I'll go check it out. But when you saw that movie, let me tell you, that was a movie, wasn't it? Rocked you at the end like, whoa, that's crazy. It was. It was crazy. Anyhow, that's how it is going out in the mission field. But I want to I tell you. See, you go out in the mission field, you experience things for yourself that are like, what Paul said, they're exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could ask or think. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. It's amazing. You, you are, you're filled, overflowing with joy inexpressible. Number one, remember my first trip going to the Philippines. Now, Philippines, amazing place. So we fly into Manila. We fly from Manila down to Dumaguete. Dumaguete is on the island of Negros, out in the middle of nowhere, of course. Um, and then we're ministering there and. and Calvary Chapel Dumaguete is the largest Calvary Chapel in the Philippines. They have a beautiful Bible college down there, so we're ministering and all. But we're also going to go up to a place called Canlaon City. Now, it's about 100 miles north, four and a half, five-hour drive. Um, and this is a church that, that we had found was there that, that needed some support. So we, we were going to go up there and see what we could do, see what God was going to do. So check this out. We get to bed about 10.30, maybe, 11.00. And we're up at 2, on the road by 3. All right, so this is the start of our day, 3 o'clock in the morning. We're driving. Okay, of course, we're trying to sleep on the way, but I'm going to tell you, the roads, 100 miles in four and a half, five hours, you can imagine what the roads are like. Crazy. I mean, big trucks going by, some cement, some dirt, some this, and going over bridges that have been washed out that they're repairing. Oh, my gosh, I can remember just, like, kind of waking up, like, wait, wait a minute, where are we going? Where? We're not going over that thing. What are you crazy? And kid you not. Looking down, just like, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to meet you. This is, this is nuts. This is crazy. So we finally get there about 7.30, quarter to 8. We get our hotel room. We kind of get freshened up. We get to the church. So I teach that morning. Our worship team does the worship. So we're with them all morning. Then we kind of freshen up a little bit again. We come back to the church for, for lunch. And they have the full-on pig with the apple in its mouth. For, for our lunch. You guys ever seen that before? The lechon. Crazy. I'm looking at that going, I'm not eating that. I mean, what's up with this? So we have a great time at lunch or whatever. So right after that, we freshen up a little bit again. Then we head out to an outreach into one of the barangays. Barangays. It's like a little community. Like say we go to Lamita. And so we go into this and there's this community center. And we get there. We're starting to tell people word of mouth. Hey, we're going to have this little outreach. And come on, we're going to do some music, this and everything. And 
You can tell Filipinos in those areas, hey, there's music or something going on, and they just come like crazy because there's really not much else going on. There's like crazy Americans around, so they would come. They came, had a great time. God just moved. We did this drama, and it was amazing where it's the uh, Set Me Free drama where we have actual demons on stage with white masks, and they're tormenting a girl with chains and everything, and, and it just it was so moving, and the people were moved, and there were tears, and Pastor Martin, the pastor at Calvary Chapel Kenlone, does the altar call, and people get saved. Awesome. We finish that up about five, five or six or so, head back to the hotel, freshen up again, and we're right back at the church for dinner. Of course, you always are eating on the mission field. So we come back for dinner, and then we begin this time of just kind of sharing what is going on, how things are going for us that one particular day. And you could literally, you could literally fall asleep standing up. You're so tired. Remember, we started this thing at 2 in the morning. Now it's about 7 o'clock. Saying all this, that after we'd finished, their worship team gets up. This ragtag sound system. We're in a cement building 20 feet by 40 feet with a tin roof. Holes, geckos running around, some curtains, some windows, some open, just dogs, just... And we begin to worship, and I'll never forget that even in our exhaustion, the Holy Spirit came. See, I'm describing something to you, you're like, ah, cool, you don't get it. Emily, you were there, weren't you? She gets it. It was amazing. The Holy Spirit fell upon us. And I can remember sitting there worshiping, going, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Philippines has 7,107 islands. We're on the island out in the Pacific. Who knows? Nobody knows where we're at. And yet the Spirit of God is moving in a greater way, in a more powerful way than I'd actually ever seen him move even here at Calvary Chapel South Bay where we got all the bells and whistles and everything you need to make a worship experience happen. It was amazing. Beautiful time. You see God do that. And when that happens in your life, second thing is you see lives changed by the Holy Spirit. And the one thing about the mission field, God, it's like a double portion of his anointing. He saves people out there. It's crazy. So I think it was my, um, my third trip, 2016. And we're up in a city called Baguio City. It's about eight hours north of uh, Manila. Crazy drive again. Traffic in Manila is just, there's nothing to even describe traffic in Manila. So we get there. This place, Baguio City, is called the City of Pines. It's about 5,000 feet elevation. They actually used to use it during World War II for the soldiers to come up to get some R&R because the, the weather there is beautiful. I mean, you can't believe you're in the Philippines. I mean, it's like nice, 70s, beautiful. Manila, if you've ever been there, Manila is nothing but an oven, a brick oven. It is so hot, ridiculously hot. I don't like Manila. Baguio City likes. So we're there. We're doing our outreach. We're at a place called Burnham Park. And we had this sound system. We're ready to... Fire it up, because whenever time, like I said, you turn on some music, the people come. Guess what? The battery dies. It's like, oh, no. So we're doing some little balloon animals for a few kids. We're passing out a few tracks. We're kind of like, wow, what are we? Almost like we're going to just wrap it up and take off and go back to our hotel room. We're just kind of, serious. it's about 4 o'clock. We're just kind of like, just looking around. And we look, and I look, we look to our left, and, and it's kind of an upward slope. And we look up there and we see that probably a couple hundred yards away, we begin to see high schoolers 
beginning to file down the, the sidewalk that we're on coming towards us. And I'm talking literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. They have huge schools in the Philippines. We see them coming, the whole team, get the tracks, get the Bibles, get the everything. And so they, they all, God had them file right by us. And we began to talk with them and engage them in conversations with them. How are you doing? You guys, do you know who Jesus is? Yes, who's Jesus? He's our Lord and Savior. Awesome. So you believe in him? Yes, yes. Well, are you going to heaven? And see, that's the, the end to people who've been raised in Catholicism because they couldn't say yes. We hope so. We think so. We're praying that we get to heaven. And so that was the end. We took them to 1 John chapter 5, 11 through 13. These things I have written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. And I got to tell you, the whole team, 20 of us there, each of us had at least four, five, six, seven kids at a time. We're sharing the gospel with them. They're praying with us. We're giving them the tracks. That group would move on. The next group, boom, boom, boom. And I kid you not, over 100 kids got saved that day right there. We thought it was over. Holy Spirit did amazing work there. Crazy things like that happen. Then you see God move in ways you don't even expect in your midst to answers to prayers. Okay, this is, this is the, um, the fourth trip for me to the Philippines, 2017. We're in a city called Bacolod. Bacolod is on the same island, Negros. It's uh, on the other side of Mount Canleon, which is an active volcano there, uh, right uh, above. Canleon City is the base of this volcano. So right around that on the west coast is a city called Bacolod. Well, we're there. We're ministering at a church called Calvary Chapel Bacolod, whom you guys support. I'll tell you more about that in a bit. But we're there, and part of our week there with them, we, you know, we put together this itinerary agenda, the whole plan, what it's going to be. And on the plan there, we were going to go to a radio station and do a, a program. So nobody even thought about it. We didn't even, like, it wasn't even on our radar. Like, okay, we're just going to do this. And in my mind, ah, we'll just you know, go sing some songs and Girls could sing, worship leaders, whatever. We'll do maybe one of our dramas. We'll share the God, whatever. And I'm thinking, honest to God, it's, it was Far East Broadcasting Company, um, DYVS. And Bacallad, we, we at that time, we didn't know how big Bacallad was because we were out kind of in the sticks where Calvary Chapel Bacallad is. It's an orphanage, 180 kids that are there. So we get ready for the program. We come driving in and we begin to see this city's actually kind of big. How big is this city? Oh, it's about six, 700,000 people. You're kidding me. So we pull up to the radio station, and I'm telling you, this is true. I, I'm thinking it's going to be like a guy with a little transistor radio, you know, dee, 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 dee. you know, here we are, you know. We pull up, and it's a brand new building, brand new sign. It's just flashing. It's like, and everybody in the team is beginning to kind of go, what are we getting ourselves into here? We go inside. And they're playing Focus on the Family on the radio, the program before ours. Chuck Swindoll's on this as well. We're like, I go walking in. I've been to KKL Studios twice with Sontag and with Pastore. And it was just a miniaturized one of those. We walk into the studio, had the microphones on the desk with the headsets with the controllers and the on-air thing and the producers, computers, all this kind of stuff. And I got to be honest with you, I begin to panic a little bit. Because the plan was, Pastor Joe from Calvary Chapel Bacala was going to say, now 
ladies and gentlemen, here with us today is all the way from California is, is Calvary Chapel South Bay, and, and here's Pastor Rob. I was going to be the radio host, and the program was ours for a whole hour. <laughs> I was beginning, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Well, I knew I had Diamond right next to me, and she could sing worship songs forever, so that was, that was my B-roll right there. Okay, she's all right, Diamond. Diamond, just sing a song. And Diamond's going to sing another song. And Diamond's, well, I say all this to tell you, and the team will attest to this. We don't know what happened. We don't know how it happened. All we know is that the Holy Spirit orchestrated our time there in such a way that when we finished, the hour went like that. And when we finished, and the guy was going, it was a commercial, we all almost fell on the floor. It was like we looked at each other and we're like, what just happened? Can you believe? And we couldn't. Nobody, I mean, it was one of those things where you're, you're in the midst of the Holy Spirit moving and working and see, you're on the air and you're talking, but you're looking at the people in the studio, people that you're, you're working with, and you're kind of motioning and you're telling people, okay, get ready to get over here. I'm going to interview it. And God just beautifully worked the whole thing out. And we've been there, we're back there three times, and every time we go, the same thing happens. Although, I'm always a little bit more prepared this time. But it was amazing. So you see here that God fills you overflowing. He... he changes lives, he saves people, but also he does amazing things in your midst, things you couldn't even imagine. So that's the why of missions, okay? Now, number two, the where of missions. Turn with me to Acts chapter one. Told you it wasn't really profound titles. The why, now the where of missions. Acts chapter one. And I love this story, of course. Luke writing this to Theophilus, speaking of the things Jesus had been doing stuff for 40 days, and now he meets up with the disciples. Of course, we know this is when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, or he promises the Holy Spirit. So chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water... But you should be baptized with his Holy Spirit many days from now. Therefore, when he had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Still thinking earthly. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But here it is. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be my witnesses to me or about me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, the last recorded words of Jesus, we believe, to his disciples before he's taken up to heaven. And before he goes, what does he tell them? What's the message he's giving them? What's, what's this important thing he's saying? He says, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell all of all the things you've seen me do. You're going to be my voice. Of course, you're going to represent me. You will teach these to others who will in turn teach others. You're going to do this all in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. You will attest to the truth of the gospel. And lastly, you will take this message to the world. That's the where of missions. So his last words. Now you can bet his last words were important. Amen? 
Great thing is that the disciples understood just how important these words were. How do we know that? Look around you. We're proof that they took what Jesus said very seriously. And we know and we understand that they did become his witnesses, his martyrs, that many of them lost their lives for the gospel's sake. So if these are his last words, do we understand how important this is? How about our world? How about our generation? Are they going to hear the gospel? And I know many of you as well, when you heard the news that Kobe had died, the shock, the surprise. I actually was at a church in Ventura teaching that morning. I just got done with the second service at Pastor Don Modulin's church there. He comes up to me, man, Rob, did you hear? Of course, I didn't hear. I was just teaching that Kobe Bryant just died. Where? Calabasas. And it was, it was such a surreal feeling. I passed right by there on the way in, 7.30 in the morning. And, of course, I knew I was heading back on the way back. And I drove past the very spot there, Lost Virginis, and you could see people still overpass, whatever, whatever. I actually thought about pulling over just, just because, but it was, it was just too much going on there. So I just kept driving. But the thing that struck me was this. I wondered, man, after, of course, I was yesterday teaching this message Did somebody share the gospel with Kobe? Did somebody? And I I was just praying, Lord, show, show something, show something. I I was, somebody would stand up, one NBA pro Christian that's out there would say, yes, I want to let you know that in all the testimonies we heard that I was with Kobe when he received Christ as Lord. We prayed together, whatever, whatever. And and of course, I know we've heard that he he went to church that morning at the, the Catholic church and all. But the point I'm trying to make is, man, I pray that Kobe heard the gospel and he responded to the gospel. And that, of course, being the heart of God, is our generation going to hear the gospel? Is the gospel going to be something that just kind of fades away? Because I'll tell you right now, in churches across America, they're not sharing the gospel. And we know the gospel is the complete package Not just God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and you can live your best life now nonsense. No, that you're a sinner, that Jesus died for your sins. You need to confess your sins. You need to receive the forgiveness of sins that came from him dying on the cross and shedding his blood, the whole full gospel. So for us, the idea, the emphasis here, of course, is that people are hurting and hopeless everywhere. Not just around the world, man, and all we got to do is turn on the news. I mean, this coronavirus thing has got people going crazy. And yet it is something that is real, that is happening, that, that could potentially affect people, of course. And I don't know if you saw the uh, picture of the guy that got on the American Airlines flight. He gets on, then he dons this, this like, <laughs> this gas mask thing with the cartridges and everything. He looked like he'd ready for a nuclear war. And of course they said, sir, you need to take that off. And he did. So they kicked him off the plane. Thank God. People were thinking, what's this crazy guy going to do? You know, of course he's on there thinking, I'm not going to catch this virus. A little bit nutty, but of course that's what the world, that's how they're reacting. And we need to realize what Jesus wanted. He wanted the whole world to hear the gospel. And to this day, there are people who have not, not only heard of the love of Jesus, But the name Jesus, even in America, as they're growing up, they're not being taught. They're not being spoken of. The gospel is not being shared. So the where missions 
really doesn't matter, you guys. Just go somewhere. Somewhere, you guys. Inside your own house, of course. Maybe your husband, maybe your wife, maybe your own kids. I know most of us have kids that aren't saved. Family members, of course. Or how about across the street to that neighbor that you wave to every single day going by? Did they know? Did they know the gospel? And, of course, your coworkers or around the world. And so personally for us, as I said, the where missions is everywhere. Our, our Jerusalem is the South Bay right here. Southern California, our Judea. Northern California, our Samaria. Around the world, to the Philippines, or to Uganda, or to El Salvador, or to Colombia. Those are the trips that we're doing this year, the big trips. The high school and junior high are doing the same thing. El Salvador and Colombia. That's where we're going. Around the world. That's to the end of the earth. But of course, the point is to be on mission somewhere spreading the gospel for me guys it all started and i went to samoa twice about 17 years ago um, and i only went because pastor steve couldn't go so i was tagged to go but of course it was a blessing but then when i got back it was like eh, that's not your job that's not your position we got don Majin to do it that time and then of course dennis took don Majin's place when it came to missions so i had to stay here well when pastor jeff came of course as we know it all changed. Now, for me, personally, 2014, the end of 2014, when Pastor Steve died, that was a horrific experience. Then I go through the experience of, of the pastoral search with all the pastors on staff and the board members. That crazy time. Then we finally installed Pastor Jeff, uh, April 12th, I think it was, 2015. As a matter of fact, his five-year anniversary is coming up on Easter this year. Isn't that crazy? It's going to fall right on Easter so we install him. We get all that process happening in about, I don't know, June, July. I'm toast. I'm so burnt out. I needed a revival. I needed a spiritual um, infusion, so to speak, of the Holy Spirit of God. It was wild. And maybe you're here tonight, and that's you. You need revival. You're, you're, you're spiritually feeling dead and drained and, and burnt out. Well, the door opened up by Pastor Jeff saying to all the guys on staff, everybody, you know what? You need to go out. You need to do something like this because he, of course, understood not only the importance of missions, but, of course, what it can do to you and how it can change your life. And, of course, I went. It was uh, September, I think, of 2015. The announcements were going on. Dennis was leading the team going to the Philippines, and I just said, D. I got to go. It's like the Lord said, just go. I don't want to do nothing. I just want to go and be a, just go. And of course, God had a plan with it all. But man, I've been to the Philippines now six times. Uh, last year, I was in Colombia. And in 45 days, I'm going to be in Colombia again. I'm going to tell you what, like I said at the start, there's nothing greater. The door opened up. Revival started in my heart. And missions, to me, is just one of the most important things to do. The doors open up. For you guys, right now. you got to understand, this little divine appointment here tonight. Pastor Dennis is killing himself to open the door for all of you here to get involved in missions in one form or another. Now, next Sunday, you'll hear the announcement when you come to church Sunday morning. We're having our first mission connection next Sunday. Remember how we take the whole fellowship hall and 
this year, I'm not going to tell you the theme. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's another cool theme. But you got to go over there. You got to go check out the different opportunities that are there for you to sign up, to be a part. There's still time to get on the, uh, the Columbia trip. I'm not sure about Pat and the El Salvador trip. Are you, you ready to take more people? Yes, no? Yes, Pat will take you. Just bring a hammer. He'll put you to work big time. <laughs> he loves doing that. But the door is open. If you would take the step of faith, some of you a leap, and step out and watch God move. He's going to lead you. He will direct you. See, the thing is, a lot of people are like, well, I don't know where to go. Just go somewhere. You think, honestly, okay, we got trips to Mexico as well. We got backyard mission trips to the Third Street Promenade or wherever the Lord leads. But if you take one of those, you say, well, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to go, but I'm going to do it. Do you think God's going to punish you if you go out on a mission trip? The cool thing is you go on this trip and then you head to the, and God continues and he leads you and brings you to the place that he always wanted you to be. Another incredible story. Okay. Calvary Chapel Bacolod, the city of Bacolod has now become the hub for the Philippines mission teams. We're going there. We're supporting Calvary Chapel Bacolod, the orphanage. We're supporting Calvary North, a brand new church that started in Bacolod. And I say we, meaning you, us. We're also supporting Calvary Chapel Canlaon, which is a two and a half hour drive around the volcano. So we're supporting three different works that are there. And from that place, it's a springboard anywhere you want to go. Because getting in and out of the airport at Bacolod is a breeze, like going to Long Beach. I mean, you're in and out, and you're ready to go in no time. Manila's nuts. I, I, Manila, fly in, fly right out, just don't even go in the city. It's just too crazy. So, how did all that happen? How did we get to Calvary Chapel, Bacolod? How did we get to Bacolod? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you how we got to Bacolod. Okay, first trip to Dumaguete up to, to Can Leon. All right, I told you about the drive, right? So, we'd take that drive, and guess what? You got to drive back, too. And I'm telling you what, it's crazy. It's the worst drive. It's, oh, okay. Well, I did that drive four times. So after that, we got home from the trip there in 2016. I'm thinking, there's got to be some easier way to do this thing. Selfishly, I'll get on a boat, just a boat ride up there rather than drive that road. So I'm, I'm looking at the map on my computer. I just kind of do Maggette's here south, and here's Can Leon over here, and Cebu's over here, and Iloilo's over here, and we're Negros right in the middle. And I'm looking, here's Mount Can Leon right there. Then I look, I see... Hey, there's a city right here. Bacolod? What's this Bacolod? So I zoom in, and Bacolod, it's, got a, it's got an international airport. Time out. Wait a minute. Naz, Naz. Naz is the guy who, um, him and his wife had been to the Philippines, I think, 11 times. They actually met on a trip to the Philippines, and they got married. So he's kind of the one that leads the, the trip there. So Naz, find out if, call Martin, Pastor Martin, and find out if there's a road a good road that leads from Mount Canleon or from Canleon City to Bacolod. Then find out if we can fly into Manila, I mean to Bacolod from Manila. And hey, see if there's a Calvary Chapel there just by chance. Amazing. Amazing. All those things came to pass. Oh yeah, it's a two and a half hour drive. And it's actually on a road that has lines in the middle. I mean, it was like way, way, way safer. Oh, it was so much better. And then, of course, we go to Calvary Chapel Bacolod, and 
I'm telling you what, one of the most amazing ministries that I've ever seen. This couple, Billy, Pastor Billy, Pastor Joe and Billy, they've been there for over 30 years. Their story, you could, they could do a movie on the story of their lives and how God moved and worked in their lives there in Bacallan. They have an orphanage that has 180 kids that they feed, they house, they educate, everything. They don't leave the place until they're ready. And these are kids that have been pulled off the streets, out of abuse, horrible sex trafficking, kids that are, that are handicapped, all types, all kinds. And it's a beautiful ministry you go there. All that happened just because simply I didn't want to do the drive. Isn't that amazing how God will lead you to this place now? that This is the hub. We'll be going back there until God leads us to another place. So we see God will lead you guys. The door is open. Don't wait. Let's do it. Amen? So that's the way our missions now. Turn with me to Matthew 24. Lastly, this will be the win of missions. The win. Now in this passage, Matthew, of course, these are all recorded words of Jesus. All the scriptures that I picked, the Lord picked. And in this passage here, Jesus has predicted the, the destruction of the temple, and his disciples have now gathered with him on the Mount of Olives, which is east of the temple of Jerusalem there, and they're asking him questions. Basically, they sat, verse 3 of chapter 24 of Matthew, now as they sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Jesus, tell us, tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of of the age. So Jesus prophetically speaks of what is going to take place before the temple is destroyed, but also he's speaking of the time before he actually returns himself. Kind of a dual prophecy here. And he goes through this list. You're going to hear wars, rumors of wars, false Christ are going to come deceiving. We know that. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, hello, earthquakes beginning the sorrows, all these things that are be taking place, false prophets, lawlessness, love will grow cold. But verse 14, here's the key. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And, and some say this is the missionary scripture the, the impetus for, for why the whole mission movement began. Um, and it speaks to the truth. The why? Because as soon as the gospel is preached to all the world, what does it say here? The end will come. Jesus is going to return. So, of course, the challenge. Now, has the whole world heard the gospel? Well, it's easy to answer no. Why? Because we're still here. Jesus has not returned yet. When he does, before that, of course, the church is raptured. Then we have the seven-year tribulation, three and a half of peace, three and a half of Revelation 6 through 18, which is going to be so horrible that you'll be thanking God that you're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then Christ comes. So the emphasis here, of course, is when should we be on mission? Before it's too late. How many of you guys have heard the doomsday clock? What's it set at right now? Anybody know? 100 seconds. 
100 seconds. I, I, I pulled this off here. This is a, an atomic clock that these scientists set that basically speaks of the fact that either nuclear war is imminent or the things in this world are so bad that when this clock strikes midnight, that's when it's all over. All right? So they issued this statement, humanity continues to face two simultaneous existential dangers, nuclear war and climate change, that are compounded by the threat of of multiplier cyber-enabled information warfare that undercuts society's ability to respond. The international security situation is dire not just because these threats exist, but because world leaders have allowed the international political infrastructure for managing them to erode. So the, the president makes this statement. The clock is set 100 seconds to midnight. We are now expressing how close the world is to catastrophe in seconds, not hours or even minutes. It is the closest to doomsday we have ever been in the history of the doomsday clock, which started in 1947. We now face a true emergency, an absolutely unacceptable state of world affairs that has eliminated any margin for error or further delay. Now that's promising, huh? That's hopeful, huh? The point is, they, they, the world can see that the world is coming to an end. The world can see things are happening. So for us, of course, it's before it's too late. We see the signs of the times. Now, of course, I know people have been talking about the Lord's coming. That's what Peter said. But nothing like what we see today. The Lord could come at any minute, you guys. Nothing's stopping the Lord from returning. Nothing on the, the prophecy clock. Now, whether or not he comes today or not, even in our lifetime, that's not the point. It is, but it's not. People are dying, of course, as we speak. And you know this. People are dying and going to hell because they have not heard the gospel. Someone has not been on mission in their lives. They did not receive Christ. And so the win of missions is as soon as you walk out the door. Let's not waste any more time. Romans says that faith comes by what? By hearing and by hearing the word of God. And Romans 10, 14 says, and how shall they preach unless they are Sent, sent out. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel and bring good news. So personally for us, we need to be on mission now, you guys. Ah, we'll wait. I got to wait. I got to Remember, going back, what is the heart of Jesus? What is the heart of God here? What was his plan? What is his plan? What is his thoughts? What, is, what does he think when he sees the doomsday clock And, of course, the people don't know, but he knows. He knows what's happening. And, of course, we know that he is delaying his coming because, why? Because he doesn't want any to perish. He's waiting for the last one to get saved. Maybe you know that last one. We need to be on Mission Force to Lady Ephesians 5, 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
for you. What's his will for you? And I'm encouraging you tonight that I believe you pray and you ask the Lord, Lord, show me. If you take a step of faith, God is going to supply your needs. He's going to provide the time. He's going to work it out because that's his heart. And I, my heart for Calvary Chapel South Bay, as large as this church is, honestly, our missions ministry, it, it needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of help. We should have literally thousands of people going into the mission field, not just hundreds. You know, Dennis has a team of three working in his department. We should have a team of 20 so busy with organizing and helping and assisting and and helping you guys get out in the mission field that they don't know what to do. So many people. So I got to ask you the question, what are you waiting for? What are you doing with your life? Is what you're doing with your life matter, matters for eternity? Or is it all about you? Is it all about what you're looking for? But I got to go back to the point at the beginning. You step out and your life will not be the same. And you'll be the person up here on the stage sharing your life experiences about how God has radically infused his spirit into your spiritual life and given you brand new hope and life and excitement. Honestly, God, I would be on a mission trip every single month if I could. I don't feel called to go to the Philippines and live there. I'll tell you what, I'll hit a circuit. I'll be out there every month if I could. Now you're saying, why? Well, I have a wife, (laughs) and she's not quite excited about me being gone all the time. Anyhow, though, God works through those things. Amen? So that's my exhortation for you tonight. I believe you were here for a purpose, I pray, and I believe that somebody, someone, a bunch of you, I hope, have been praying about this, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. But, you know, there's going to be people in the foyer you can stop and talk to about the missions ministry, how to get involved. Like I said, the Mission Connection next Sunday, get over there. Don't hesitate. Ask, seek, and knock. The Lord's going to open the door for you, and you're just going to come up to Pastor Dennis and anybody in missions and say, thank you so much for giving me that encouragement, that exhortation to step out. You won't be ashamed, and you won't be bummed. You're going to love it. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's close in prayer. Passions be down in front if you want to come and chat with them. Encourage them as well in their missions. So, Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for your heart for the lost. Lord, I pray for every person here tonight. You, Holy Spirit, you would speak, you would minister, you would touch, you would direct. And, Lord, I'm excited for what you're going to do and how you're going to change people's lives, even in this very room, when they step out and, and find where you want them to go, Lord. So, bless we pray again. We pray for... Pastor Jeff and Connie's dad, we pray for Lee right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. We ask, Lord, for a complete healing touch. You would comfort his wife, Billy. You would be with the grandkids and all. And, Lord, minister there, Lord, again. Watch over our church. Bless, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.